Why mm. not the Initiative Hub and what services do you provide? Oh yeah, well, Initiative Hub is a communication coaching consultancy, or as I call it, uh, my third baby, actually. Um, I started it exactly five years ago. Um, the reason why, I mean, I've been in uh, the corporate world, in the industry for around 15 years, in the, in the UK, in London and here in Dubai. And uh, one time I had a great pleasure. I mean, I was knocking on the doors of the senior leadership team to allow me to actually be coached um, back in the hospitality, luxury hospitality industry. And uh, they were running a 12-week program for, for the executive team. And I, I got onto this program. And you know, Nikki, after the first session of being coached, I was like, I'm sold. I mean, I want to sit in this uh, coach's seat. I want to do what she's doing to me. And that was after the first session. So fast forward, we had a beautiful 12 weeks. Fast forward around uh, yeah, one year. During my maternity leave, after I had my second baby, I enrolled into a coaching course. And after my maternity leave was over, I went back to work. And within one week, I was out of work thinking, I'm going to start my own company. And that was the initiative. The name came a little bit later. As you know, I was playing around with this a little bit. And uh, yes, yeah, so it's now five years running. And um, I'm absolutely loving it. I love freedom because I actually realized that freedom is one of my key values. I love having choice and uh, decide when I work, how I work, how many hours. So this is, this is very good. And I get to spend time with my two kids right now and my husband as well and do the things that I love. And, uh, you know, wake up every morning feeling that it's, uh, it's going to be an amazing day and it has not been like this in the past. So the services that I'm offering are, well, I work mostly with women. Really, I had few men, but I'm somehow naturally drawn to women. And uh, I love coaching them. I love coaching different age groups. I have uh, girls that are over 20, all the way up to uh, over 50. And they are at different stages of their career, be it the entry management level or middle management level, wishing to go up the career ladder or being on the maternity leave and wishing to come back to work. You know, during the maternity leave, the confidence went down a little bit. So they need a little bit of a boost in that respect. So uh, I have a pleasure to work with them, run workshops about executive presence uh, for women, uh, transform and thrive coaching program for future female leaders, as well as it's not all about, it's all about you, sorry, the empowered you, which is a combination of different schools of coaching that I've done. And on, you know, apart from that, I'm also a communications trainer. I train people from the communications sector, uh, different PR strategies and uh, how to write with impact, um, advanced communication strategy, how to build it, how to make it work, um, strategic relations with media, etc. So this is also some, something that I continue doing based on my, well, you know, all the diplomas and certifications that I got back in the day. So that's in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> a big nutshell. That's a lot of things to provide. And thank you so much for all those services from mentoring women mm. communication strategies. I'm sure you have so many women that are thankful and grateful for, to have met you as well. So I'm grateful to them as well, Nikki. I have to tell you this because 
many times and I'm, you know, I'm coaching is a big industry. I have a lot of fellow coaches that we talk to often. And I mean, it as cheesy as it may sound, but it is a miracle job. Really, people come to you and you work with them and you help them. It's a ripple effect, right? I mean, you help them and then the families benefit or the companies mm -hmm. benefit. So it's really, it's amazing. So I'm grateful <laughs> to have this opportunity as well. But also you're not limited there because you're also a Google facilitator for the hashtag I'm Remarkable workshop. So what are these workshops mm -hmm. exactly and what do you do in these workshops? Mm -hmm. So uh, I, this, this whole campaign, I'm Remarkable, has been around since 2015 and it started at Google itself. Uh, I was drawn to it in 2019 and I actually did my course, the facilitator trainer course in 2020 and started doing the workshops this year with, uh, together with my um, fellow coach from Create Impact um, 2. And uh, we are both very passionate about helping women to self-promote. And this whole initiative is about self-promotion, the importance of uh, promoting yourself in your work life as well in your personal life. And uh, also changing the perception of self-promotion because uh, many people think it's bragging that, you know, it's yeah. not really my nature. I don't want to sound arrogant. And uh, we're trying to change this perception during these workshops. So it's a 90-minute workshop where we have a lot of uh, discussions, a lot of uh, questions answered. And then there is a very nice activity that is, um, it can be emotional for a lot yeah. of women when we have them actually do this. And, uh, you know, we see a common thread that women just don't promote themselves enough. This uh, program, this whole workshop is, is kind of like a starting point to help them change it and you know, self-promotion is a muscle and that's what we are trying to teach. It's a muscle so you go to the gym every day and you try bit by mm -hmm. bit. And the key is to find your own voice. Don't try to be someone else. We highlight it because we all have our voice and, you know, we should use it and it, we will sound far more authentic and natural when we do it our own way. And, you know, I learned my lesson as well. I mean, we, during this um, remarkable workshops, we talk about accomplishments don't speak for themselves. I don't know how you are with this, Nikki, but I have been very bad in the past. And I was watching my colleagues, quite often male colleagues, uh, yes. shining, you know, sending their uh, campaign overviews back in the communications industry when I used to work in the corporate, sending their um, email campaigns all the way to the top. You, you, you know, it's CEO and the chief commercial officer. Everyone, everybody knew the results of their campaign. I was sticking to my immediate crowd because I'm like, why would the CEO bother to know what I've done? Yeah. But I could see with my own eyes what was happening when uh, later on, you know, the CEO bumped into that colleague uh, and he's like, oh, you're the one. Oh, I heard about you. Amazing job. Well done. And, you know, picture me sitting in the corner being like, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> I could have done that myself. So I'm learning, I'm learning all the time. And, uh, and it's a great journey. You know, I, I practice what I preach. So we really enjoy these workshops. We have them basically once or twice a month and we have women from all over the world joining us. And also a lot of companies are jumping on board. Yeah. So the, 
big wigs, big companies. I will be working with some investment banking who are interested in, in introducing this to their companies, as well as luxury brands. So it's, it's something that is resonated with a lot of people. That's a lot amazing. And how does someone kind of get involved or sign up to join these workshops? Well, if you want to join as a participant, I mean, be part of my, uh, my workshop, then I have the links to sign up. I'm actually running one on the 30th of May. So I'll be posting it on my LinkedIn and on Instagram. But if you, uh, I mean, depends maybe if somebody feels like joining, you know, a crowd that is in their respective area, you can go to the Google slash unremarkable if I, you know, if I remember the link correctly and just sign up and do it. But I obviously invite everyone to join mine and then see what happens. The good thing is that it's all about spreading the word around. So uh, anybody can really become the facilitator. So that's, that's, that's great news. You like it, you're passionate about this topic, you sign up and there is quite a long waiting list. So you have to be patient, wait a, a good, I think I waited a few months to, to, to jump on the training course. But uh, I mean, it's, it's well worth it. It's, it's, uh, it's good for yourself as well for others. Yeah, I love that. And just more about that self-promotion and the I Am Remarkable workshops, you actually wrote an article about self-promotions, promotions, pardon me, and mm -hmm. the importance of it for women. Why do you think that women need to sort of practice this muscle? Like you were saying, it's a, it's a muscle that you need to practice. Why do we need to actively work on it? Why, why yeah. it's important as well? Because you know what? It's sad as it may sound. We don't. We just simply don't as women. And the article was, was based on my unremarkable experience, the workshops I have done. And I had only one, one man joining. Otherwise, it's all women. And it's all the same stories that, oh, I just don't do it. It's just not in my nature. Or I don't think that there is any point in it. I don't want to be arrogant. You know, I don't want to sound confident. Um, etc. So it's all the same, basically the same responses. We, you know, we want to be at the top. It's like almost we have uh, our elevator pitch, but it doesn't take us all the way to the top. It just yeah. stops at some point. And I think that the fact that we don't talk about our accomplishments is the problem because we think that people can see us working hard. You know, we have this like, oh, I work hard, I stay long hours, my boss, my colleagues will see that I work hard, but it's not the point. It's not the case. You have to, you know, you have to speak up and say and mention the projects, whether it is at your performance review or whether it is uh, during the team meetings and, you know, and sit at the table as uh, Sheryl Sandberg says, because I experienced that myself. I was entering often the board. Uh, the boardrooms and there is a big table and all the guys sit there and you know and women somehow really I was reading Cheryl's book and I'm like this is so true I experienced that myself we will be sitting you know towards the wall like leaving the spaces yeah. at the table for other people when we should be the ones that you know should be actually sitting there so the reason so that was the reason why I um, you know based on these facts based on these experiences and what I have noticed this is why I wrote this article and it has resonated nicely with women and has been shared a little bit around and I keep on asking you know different different people that I come across with you know what do they think mostly women what do they think about self-promotion and just try to you know uh, bring the awareness of you should do it a little bit more to advance in your career if this is what you want to do.
And you know, there's a different topic as well. We have uh, kids, we want our kids, you know, not me as a mother as well. I mean, I can see how my daughter is watching what I'm doing. And, you know, sometimes I just pause and think, because I have a pleasure also to work with like 15 year old girls. And I'm thinking if we start them, because mostly the women that join my workshops are, uh, I would say 30, 40 plus, yeah. But if we started this whole self-promotion, campaign with girls that are 15 and plus i mean that would be pretty amazing right to teach them yeah. that you can talk about it and imagine them graduating and going for the first job interview and speaking openly with their own voice not trying to be someone else you know what may happen for them where will they end up you know at some point in their career just because it's so natural for them yeah i think That's a lot of women and in my personal experience why there's this issue with self-promotion is that it does have this connotation of arrogance. Meanwhile, it's, mm -hmm. it's just, you know, saying this is what I've done. It's not, it's not necessarily mm -hmm. arrogant. It's not saying now I'm the business or I'm the bee's knees. It's just like, you know what, this is actually what I've done. And it, I think, brings out that sense of imposter syndrome. I don't know. Yes. What has your experience been with imposter syndrome? Yeah, I mean been there done that it's popping up every now and then you know now and again and yeah it's true but you know i just want to come back because when you were saying all about this like feeling that you are arrogant i always think about it this way you never know whom you may inspire when you talk to someone about what you do you know like what what have you been up to what, what have you worked on like you know let's say in your case i read your little bio and you were contributing to some project manager on some of the magazines back in south africa and i'm like that's amazing I mean, you know, and I'm like, this is awesome. So I'm like, it would be so nice, let's say, you know, to contribute to some magazines. Hmm, Nikki is doing this. Wait a minute, maybe I can do it as well. So for me, it's reframing the self-promotion and thinking about it that you may inspire someone you never know. And uh, another good point that actually a good friend of mine did made yesterday when I asked about self-promotion, just casually, she said, I like thinking about it as a service you know, that I'm not promoting myself, but I'm promoting service to someone. So it's almost like a public service. And I'm like, I love it. So you are actually reframing this. I'm yeah. not promoting myself, but I'm offering services to others. I feel good about, and I'm good at what I do. And I'm just offering it out there. So that was, a, I wanted to mention that because I really like that. Then imposter syndrome. So yes, being there, done that, absolutely. I mean, one of the experiences that comes to my mind is when, uh, when without any hospitality background, I joined the hotel group, uh, the Jumeirah group, Bajal Arab. And uh, it's, you know, I compare it to, you know, getting a job in CNN or BBC without any TV experience, like as a news anchor and you are being thrown out there. So this is how, how I felt, you know, without, like, what am I doing here? Like, I have no experience. I have, I have ticked all the other boxes when it comes to, uh, the, you know, the requirements, but I don't have hospitality experience. And what do I do? And, you know, with the imposter syndrome, you don't want to be found out, you know, you yeah. don't want to be unmasked. You are like, I know it, I know it. And then, you know, uh, long hours spent at home during doing the research and trying to, you know, find the answers, how the thing, things in hotel industry work behind the scenes. So it is huge. I mean, we all have it. It's, um, it comes and goes. It's real, uh, the imposter syndrome. I mean, I have a couple of things that I, that I do 
to try to kind of fend it off the, the, the way when it comes, when this feeling kind of comes up. So basically, like, I mean, either try to find a friend uh, or a mentor or a coach and talk to them, you know, how I feel. And then hear some feedback. Maybe they're like, this is totally crazy. I mean, what are you talking about? You're perfectly suited for that job. So sometimes you just need this soundboard, someone to tell you this. Then the good thing is to list the things that you are actually brilliant at because you have great skills. And maybe you just sometimes forget that, wait a minute, I mean... I can actually use the skill that I learned ages ago at this job, but I forgot that I know it. So make a list of your, I'm great at blah, 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 or this A, B, C, D. Then I mentioned it in my article, the feel good folder. I mean, this is the- I love that. That was you my know. favorite bit in the article. <laughs> and I was thinking, you need to start doing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, explain what the feel good folder yeah. is. I mean, it's, it's something that I did again in that hotel because sometimes, yes, you had a client who was so happy with your, with your performance or a manager or a colleague. So I created, you know, in the Outlook, one of the subfolders, like really I called it feel good, feel good folder. And when I had a bad day, and trust me, I did have bad days and we all have them. So I was just going through the, you know, sometimes through the messages in that folder, just reading them and like, hey, I can, you know, I can perform well. Today is just a bad day or something didn't work out. I don't know, somebody didn't renew the contract with, with you or somebody pulled out from the project. It's okay. But, you know, reading these little messages was really helpful for me. And like I instantly... Um, lifted my mood up. I didn't mention that in the article, but I got this idea from my teacher when I was, I think, 20 years old. He did it with us. He made us um, write little notes about everyone in the room on a little piece of paper and then read it out loud and keep it in our wallet for a, for a you know, rainy day. And he still kept his, so that was pretty amazing. So I kind of made my own version of that, of that little exercise. So that's another thing about the, another thing to do, another tip about the imposter syndrome. And then remember, you're not alone because everybody has it. So um, it, it's okay to, to, to feel this way. And, you know, I was also thinking about it. I'm like, it might be hard, but... I should be doing more and more of it. Laugh it off. I mean, just, you know, use a little bit of humor. It's difficult yeah. for me sometimes, but sometimes I'm like, oh, come on. You kind of like add a little bit of humor because that will reframe this whole imposter syndrome as well. And like maybe change your mood, right? It's not easy, but uh, I thought this would be a good one to work on, at least in my case. I love that, to laugh it off. So when you say to laugh it off, just kind of laughing at how bizarre you are and judgmental you are on yourself at your own capabilities. Yeah. It's like, yeah. why yeah. am I feeling so insecure about this when I've done a yeah. type of thing and laughing about the absurdity of why am I questioning myself? Yeah. My capability you know i absolutely um, love the whole idea of like you know stopping myself i've done back in the day the positive intelligent course that tells you all about like the judge that we all have you can call it like you know this inner critic this time around and i just love stopping my judge crusher as i call him in his traps you know, right at the beginning when I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, you know, is my mind, is my brain working for me as a friend or as an enemy? I love stopping and just pausing and being like, no, 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 it's not doing me any favor at the moment. So can you please get out of this mode and just try to be kinder, 
more compassionate to yourself and just like, hey, it's okay. You know, you're not the only one. So little tricks. <laughs> Definitely. I think we need to be more compassionate with ourselves. I think mm. it's easy to be compassionate for others, but then forget that, you know, to do it for ourselves is just as important. Absolutely. And this is why, I mean, I'm a big fan of coming up with different like acronyms and things for myself. So this year, let's see if I remember it. We are in May. So it's a year of five C's. So it's courage, compassion, connection, curiosity, and I knew it. there's one more, uh, but I forgot. <laughs> one more. So let's, let's stick to four C's, but there's okay. one more. Yeah. So it's like practicing it. Have I been compassionate with myself? Have I been courageous? Have I been connected with, you know, myself and others? Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes asking all these questions help. That's really awesome. And mm -hmm. just uh, bringing to our last question, what I ask everyone in the interviews is, what does feminine leadership mean to you? Ah, that's, a, you know, there's tons of words coming. The feminine leadership, it's the, you know, it's a, Immediately, well, we talked about compassion just now. Mm. I mean, we women, I mean, are, you know, kind of nurturing by nature. So I'm just yeah. thinking, you know, uh, compassionate, um, compassionate, patient. There's the em there's empathy in there. Uh, so this is these are some of the generosity, like being generous with time, being generous with advice, with yeah. with um, you know, with attention as well. There is also inclusiveness, I think. When I'm thinking about women, you know, we are inclusive. Again, this is the nature, the nurturing nature that we like to include everyone. And we also absolutely love putting other people in the spotlight, which is sometimes not doing us any favor because then we are not, you know, kind of putting the spotlight on ourselves. We have to, that's coming back to self-promotion. But we are absolutely fantastic, I think, as um, leaders to elevate others, you know, elevate others and nurture them and coach them and uh, mentor them. So, you know, there's this whole debate, you know, women should be more like men, more assertive, more confident, sometimes more like, I don't know, put the foot down. But, you know, there are so many studies that say that uh, women are actually more effective leaders than men. So how about men being a little bit more like women? And overall, we have this beautiful uh, definition of leadership, bringing both men and, you know, feminine and masculine qualities to that, to that definition. And, you know, remembering about the self-awareness as, uh, as well, because I think that women are kind of maybe more self-aware of themselves and others. So all this, you know, emotional intelligence and IQ together, plus all the qualities from um, men and women. And I think we have the, we would have the best leadership ever, <laughs> the way forward. I love that. Bringing the yin and yang into leadership, mm, definitely, exactly. I think, is a, a good winning combination, I think, because you can't mm. go all the way to one spectrum or the, all the way to the other. There has to be middle ground, I think. And this brings me to one of my favorite sec sections as well in the interviews, the ABCs of your career. So mm. starting with A, what was your amazing, affluent Oprah Winfrey aha moment when coming into oh. Yeah. Well, uh, I think I think there were many, but I was just uh, when I'm thinking about that question, I remember very well a situation when I was uh, again coming back. That was uh, my, the last days of my maternity leave, the second one um, with the second child, and I was on my way in Uber, all dressed up, you know, in your uh, little black dress to the to the launch of a new venue. 
And I was sitting in Uber thinking, okay, today is a good day. You know, it's kind of, we will have some drinks, we'll all feel fine. I'm going to ask my boss if I can make use, I'm going to be courageous enough if I can make use of this one hour for breastfeeding for my child. So can I finish a little bit earlier at work and then in the evening, obviously, uh, continue working, you know, like catching up on my work. And then I had this moment, I'm like, wait a minute, if she says no, that means it's a no. I can't leave earlier and I can't go back and be with my kids. And I'm like, I don't like the fact that somebody is in charge of my time and of my life in that case. So this is when I decided, I think it's time to start something new and start my own business because then that shouldn't be a problem anymore, right? Yeah. So that was kind of like, I remember that was one of the key moments uh, for like, okay, it's time for change. Like, uh-huh. This is the value of freedom and the value of time that I really want to honor now. And it's time. I love that. Definitely, definitely an aha moment. And then what was a business blunder turned to blessing? Oh, business blunder turned to blessing. Okay. So I don't know if I'm thinking like, I don't know if that's necessarily a business blunder, but a huge lesson for me, you know, like uh, what I've learned, you know, I was, uh, my father was very, very keen to have me have like straight A's, you know, primary mm -hmm. school, high school, etc. So I was always learning a lot and learning everything and trying to be the best at everything, giving up on sports in the meantime, because then the grades went down. And uh, I chose to study English and English literature in, at one of the universities back in Poland, where I'm from. And, you know, I was so prepped. I was brilliant. The written exam went fantastically well. And then the oral exam came. And Vicky, I'm telling you, I sat down, they asked me a question, and I froze. I froze. I couldn't say a word. Nothing. And... I was like, what's going on? Like, they asked me another question. Nothing. It was, I don't know. I've never experienced anything like this. So I failed. I failed uh, because I didn't say anything. And I cried so much. It was, yes. uh, it was a horrifying experience for me because I thought I, I, I nailed it. I thought, I would, you know, it would be just a tick, yeah. right? I had all the knowledge. And I cried for a long time. And I was obviously, uh, yeah, I failed. I was like, I'm a failure. And I thought I would be brilliant at it. And what will others say, etc. But, you know, looking back at it, I thought it was a blessing. Because now, being a mom of two, seven and five-year-old, so still a long way to go. I will not ask them, you know, the lessons learned is like, I will not ask them to be good at everything. I just want them to choose something and follow their passion. If it's sports, let it be sports. If it's art, if it's uh, music, let it be this, you know. If other grades are lower, it's okay. I just want them to really follow their passion and I want to help them nurture it and just be great at what they do. Big lesson, definitely. Just you don't have to be good at everything. And then see, what was your cinematic worthy cock-up moment? Oh, this is, so it's uh, around February, I think February 20, 2012. This is my first week at the hotel that I mentioned earlier. And I'm saying this because it was cinematic and I wish the camera was there. So basically I just started, I walk in, I don't know many people who work there. And my boss tells me that we have a press conference happening today. And because of the weather, we, they all assumed that the conference will be outside. It's a beautiful sunny day. We have to move it inside and run it within the hotel. And I said, okay, fine. That's not a big deal. We just, you know, do this and that. I said, who is the press conference with? 
uh, Roger Federer, Novak Djokovic, and uh, Andy Murray. And I'm like, my jaw dropped. Wow. That was the first week, and I'm like, this is awesome. But wait a minute. What a bad first rest. week. <laughs> oh, no. Um, then I had this realization like, oh, so this is what this job is going to be about. Pretty cool. So obviously, I, I put all the excitement, you know, aside about like, I'm going to actually meet this guy and work with them, these guys and work with them for the reminder of the day. But I just wish that, uh, I mean, we pulled it off, but I just wish that the cameras were there for us to frantically move everything from outside, inside, and trying to obviously make it perfect with the perfect camera angles and the perfect setup for all the journalists that were very keen to interview them and film them, etc., and all the lineups. So it was quite a... It was quite, uh, you know, hard work, but overall we pulled it off a great lesson as well in there. Always had plan B because we didn't really, and we had to come up with this on the spot. So, but really, really memorable day with memorable pictures and uh, yeah, overall everyone. But what went wrong that you needed a plan B? Well, we didn't think that the weather will be bad. Oh. Right? We assume the setup outside will be like, yeah, brilliant, this is this, this is the angle, you know, you have beautiful, you know, the, the water, the, you know, turquoise water, our hotel in the background, you know, the sail-shaped hotel, the famous one, this is perfect, everything, the, the table's there, then boom, it's too windy. Guys, we have, we have to have plan B, let's find a venue, let's run, we don't have much time, and we have this really, really big stars coming to, well... Uh, have fun with us for this afternoon so yeah but these are these are really great memories and uh, yeah a fantastic first week as you said I I, I had no idea what I was signing up myself for back in the day <laughs> awesome okay so we're going to go to the quick fire round so first thing that comes to the top of your mind just say it so one thing or an evening person morning <laughs> two Definitely. tea or coffee don't hate me, please. Coffee, 100% coffee. Although, especially today for you, I'm drinking, uh, wait a minute, something that my South African friend gave me. Oh, I'm so proud. I'm like, especially so for you, Nikki. I'm Love it, thank you. But overall, you're welcome. Overall, big time coffee fan. Yes. And three, what is one thing in your daily routine or ritual that you couldn't live without? meditation oh, really Definitely. how long do you meditate for I mean it depends morning afternoon like you know just before we met I had my little session just like 20 minutes of sitting closing down watching my breath it's amazing I absolutely love it so it depends how much time I have but it has to happen I call it the daily dose of pause it's on my you know goals sheet for every month and you know I'm very happy to tick it off at the end of every month like done because yeah. this is a non-negotiable daily dose mm. i love that well, yeah, i think take a moment i was listening to uh sorry i'm derailing a bit here but i was listening to a book and it was ariana huffington yes ariana huffington yes yeah she was speaking to jay shady and she's also started Thrive global now and she says that meditation doesn't have to be hours on end or you know yeah. long can literally just be 60 seconds as soon as you wake up before you do anything else just lay in bed and meditate and manifest your day and she goes because mm -hmm. she says it's it's about building micro habits to make them into actual habits yeah. and building it into okay now let's do five minutes ten minutes going on and upwards and four 
two books that changed your life. Um, okay, so one would be A Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl, an amazing memoir from uh, the concentration camp. Uh, very timely, I think, always. And the uh, second one will be a more recent one, Untamed by Glennon Doyle. Uh -huh. That woman is wild. So I read this book, I think, two times, and I'm listening to her. She just launched her own podcast as well. Uh, I've watched her videos. I love this book, the way it is written. So I highly recommend it as well. Awesome. That's going to be my next read. <laughs> <laughs> and five, the last question. Three people that you would have over for a dinner party, dead or alive? Mm. You know, I, I, I've done this game before and I had obviously the big wigs, but thinking about where I am right now and just before I met you uh, today, I also did a bit of this meditation and I thought about my family a lot. So I would say my three people would be my mom, my dad and my sister. I would have them for dinner because we actually, just the, th just the, sorry, just the four of us together, we have not had a meal I kid you not, Nikki, I think for 20, just the four of us, for 25 years maybe, because it's always spouses these days and the kids, so there's grandchildren and the grandchildren's now uh, partners as well are coming because yeah. my sister is a little bit older than me. So I would say these three, mom, dad and my sister, just to reconnect and just to talk about how we actually are. Yeah, we kind of forsake the time that we have when we're in high school and university. We think, oh, no, we just want to get out the house and, and be independent. And then when you're older, you realize that importance and the sentimental value of family that you, oh, shucks, I actually wish I took more advantage of that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. I fingers crossed that this summer... I'll be able to go back and actually thanks Nikki because of um, because of that question and the answer I came up with I'm gonna try and do it this summer to organize Amazing. this dinner. I hope and you managed to. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope that you managed to get there this summer. That would be thank a you. No, thank you very much. I'll let you know. I'll send you a picture. Please do. Please <laughs> do. Thank you so much, Isabella, for taking the time to talk to me today. I really appreciate it. And I'm sure women are going to find such value in what you have to say, especially about the topic of imposter syndrome. This past weekend, I've spoken to so many of my girlfriends who have been with it and with self-doubt. And now saying, I'm actually going to be speaking to this incredible woman who's got imposter syndrome and how we can help. I'm going to send you this article as well. So I really hope that they find the value that I have definitely after speaking with you as well. Thank you very much, Nikki. Thank you for kind words and thank you for the opportunity. It's been an absolute pleasure. I'm so glad I got to know you. And I hope we will stay in touch. Afterwards. Definitely, 100%. Thank you so much, Isabella. Have a great day.